Hi, this is April Richardson, and you're listening to PF's Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF, this is my tape recorder. Coming up, comedian Julian McCullough discusses music with us. They call him an innovator, but what he was really doing was he was finding what was the next cool thing by people that were not famous yet, and then just doing it like he was the second guy every time. We'll hear more from Julian in just a bit. We have a uh, song of the week coming up from our unofficial house band, Andy Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. They recorded at the Sun Studios right there in Memphis, Tennessee. I think we're really going to enjoy this. We were supposed to have the world premiere on it two weeks ago. But we did the tribute show to Jim Lugers last week, so that preempted it, and I think that was for a good cause, certainly. We'll hear from Andy, though, at the end of the show. We have a dumb bit to start us off, though. Bit of a hectic week this week. Didn't have time uh, nor the inspiration to come up with a quality dumb bit. I had a few loose ideas, and uh, I have a couple ideas down the road for things that are kind of evergreen. They're not really tied to current events. But uh, an idea popped into my head uh, to replay an old bit that I wrote for the Gary Burbank show because something reminded me of this. I, I don't remember what exactly, and I don't want to spoil the bit, but I remember uh, this bit was it came from an idea my wife had. She had just mentioned something in passing that I thought was funny, so I created a bit around it. And coincidentally, uh, this week is the 31st anniversary of the day we met, uh, April 26th, two th- uh, April 26th, 1985, uh, Bowling Green State University on the top floor of South Hall at about 11.45 p.m., and uh, anyway, she gave me the idea for this bit. I did it to say Dan Buckles fit. Dan Buckles, a character that Gary used to do. And you can find all of Gary's stuff. If you just Google Earl Pitts, uh, Earl Pitts American, it'll take you to the Gary Burbank website. It was it was EarlPitts.com, but someone actually uh, squatted that from him. And then it was Earl Pitts, I think, .us, but then someone squatted that maybe. I don't know. But just Google Earl Pitts American. It'll take you to all the Earl Pitts stuff. Gary does all those if you've heard those before. You can buy the Gilbert Gnarly bits and all that. And um. And uh, yeah, and this is the Dan Buckles bit that was uh, inspired by my wife. This is Dan Buckles interrupting this program. Dateline, war. Washington, D.C. The recording industry has submitted a request to the Senate Judiciary Committee to add a new layer of protection to the copyright laws. For more, we go live to Matt Stringer in the nation's capital, Matt. Thank you, Dad. I'm here with RIAA spokesperson Bob Hordbacker. Bob, what kind of protection does the recording industry now seek? Well, Matt, as you know, we have successfully gone after people who illegally copy CDs and people who share music files over the Internet. And speaking of the Internet... We have also been able to cripple Internet radio broadcasts by imposing exorbitant fees on those operations. And so, what's next? Our first step is to ask for royalties to be paid when a song gets stuck in your head. I'm not sure I follow. Let's say you go over to a friend's house and he has a stereo on. You hear a catchy tune... The next day, you're at work, and you find that that song is stuck in your head. You keep singing it over and over to yourself, and then whistling the melody. I think that's happened to a lot of people. What's the problem with that? 
Well, the problem is that song is being used, we feel, illegally. Uh, how's that? The song is stuck in your head. You're singing it, enjoying it, but you haven't paid for it. You're getting something for nothing, and the artist, the publisher especially, and for God's sake, the record company. Record companies are suffering. Oh, really? And we'll take legal action against people with songs stuck in their heads. So there. Uh, back to you, Dan. Thank you, Matt. This is Dan Buckles. When news breaks in, we break out. And now, a word from our sponsor. This episode of PF's Tape Recorder is brought to you by Home Shirts Cleveland. For all of your Northeast Ohio vintage t-shirt needs, visit homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. You'll also find links to the original Cincy Shirts site, as well as Home Shirts Indianapolis, with more cities to come. That's homeshirts.com forward slash Cleveland. And this just in, go to any of our Home Shirts websites, use the code COMEHOME, all one word, and receive 20% off for a limited time. Now, on with the show. Julian McCullough is a stand-up comedian you may have seen on one of the late-night talk shows. You may have seen him headlining at a club somewhere in North America, or you may have heard him as one of the frequent panelists on the hit podcast, Doug Loves Movies. Uh, We talk about Julian's podcast, Julian Loves Music, which he kind of lifted a little bit from Doug. With Doug's permission, here now is our interview with Julian McCullough. All right, cool. Uh, well, terrific. Um, well, it's good talking to you. Um, I just finished listening to the latest episode of Julian Loves Music. Oh, cool. I actually didn't finish it, but what do you think? Uh, the one, it was the one that was live with, uh, April Richardson was on the panel, and, uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I like that a lot. Uh, April's a friend of this show. Um, I know her because... Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah we're, sweetheart. Yeah, we're friendly with, um, the Rock Solid folks. Of course, she's one of the rotating co-hosts. And uh, we're good friends with Pat Francis over there. So, and April's been on this show, and so is Pat. So, yeah, I, I love April. Cool. Yeah, I'm glad uh, she she um. I mean, she's like one of she's there's very few like genuinely good people in our business, and she's one of them. Yeah, I can sense that. Um, so let's walk this back though. Uh, were you like always super into music, and perhaps wanted to be a musician, like a lot of comedians do, I guess, or was it always <laughs> going to be comedy? And music was just like a big hobby. Oh, I've always loved music. My dad's a musician, and I didn't get any of that talent, so it's always been frustrating for me that I can't do it. Uh, but, uh, but I've always been funny, so that that kind of just was what I ended up doing. But uh, I kind of, like a lot of music um, snobs, you might say, have tried to make up for not being able to do music by knowing as much as I can about it. Aha! Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, same. I tried doing it. Uh, was rubbish at it, but um, I mean, I I co-wrote some some songs I'm still proud of with a buddy of mine. Although he really was the talent. Without him, it would have you know been complete shit. But um, so so really, it was up to you're him. His, you're his influence. You're his inspiration. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I wrote words and I had bouts of singing, as my hero Andy McCluskey refers to it. Although he can actually sing. Um, yeah. so yeah, and you know the lyrics were okay. Um, I mean, I had, I had kind of a talent for doing melodies and things and writing little riffs on the keyboard, but that was really the limit. Without him, it would have been you know absolutely uh, nothing. But uh, yeah, so uh, um, what what did you? So what did you like grow up listening to? I know you said your dad was a musician. Did you like my mom was a uh, uh, college professor 
and she taught um, about classical music and uh, art, painting, and things like that. So she was a lot of classical music in our house. That did not take with me. How about you? Well, so my influences as a child, because a lot of, I found out a lot of kids grow up without music being played in the house. Like, they don't, yeah. you know, parents don't, they don't um, make it a priority to put music on where it's like, we're not watching TV, we're not talking, we're listening to music. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we grew, and it was in the background, too, but like, sure. and, you know, when my parents were playing music, it was it was usually like, um folk or folk rock or country from like oh, okay. the 60s and you know, stuff like that. So, yeah. you know, Emmylou Harris and Buffalo Springfield and uh, Aretha Franklin and, you know, all that kind of stuff, Doc Watson. So a lot of the, like, roots music and a lot of uh, old country and Hank Williams and all that. Senior, not junior. If I like junior, I'd be kicked out of my family. <laughs> so uh, the, um, <clears throat> and then my sister... So me and my sister would begrudgingly listen to this stuff, and they put it on in the morning, and you know, we we had to listen to it because it was on the major on the main stereo system. Um, but then, and I kind of liked some of it, but I, I mostly resented it. And then uh, my sister was listening to Top Forty like hardcore, like in the eighties. So it was all Cyndi Lauper and The Lady in Red, and um, you know, New Order, and you know, yeah, just Top Forty. She was in the news, all that kind of stuff. So she'd be playing that stuff, and um, I had to form my own niche. She was older, so I had to form my own niche. You know, I had to like figure out what, what I was into at a very early age to like separate myself. And I just went hardcore, exclusively Guns N' Roses for like yeah. two years. You talk about the sound of the latest episode of your show. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's and, what uh, it was great because my dad hated Axl Rose, my sister didn't like it either, and my mom thought Axl Rose was sexy, which just pissed off my dad even more. Here's what's weird. Uh, uh, my wife and I are probably a little older than you and April and those guys. Not much, but but I think our musical tastes are probably closer to April's at least. Uh, I'm not sure about yours as far as you know alternative music and stuff. My wife messages me today out of the blue and says, I want to go see Guns N' Roses. I'm like, you're kidding. You've never mentioned Guns N' Roses in your life. Why? She goes, I really want to go see them. That's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. So I thought that was kind of funny. Then, yeah. then I heard your show today, and it's like you're talking all about Guns N' Roses. And then that story you just told about really being them, and, and that went on to uh, Alice in Chains, as you explained, on your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, first of all, the Guns N' Roses thing, uh, I watched the clip from the Troubadour show they did the other night, the like secret show for 500 people. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it... It freaked me out because it was so. It like made my skin crawl with goosebumps. I was like, I can't <laughs> believe this matters to me. I can't <laughs> believe this. I'm this excited seeing this footage. I thought I would like just be disappointed and pissed off, and I was so psyched. So now I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, it's such a huge pain in the ass to go see them in concert, but I might have to do it at some point. Yeah, I just you know it but just I, it it just never took. I mean, the hit singles yeah. the hit singles well, are okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, 
The only stuff I missed out on completely that I still don't really get is punk and rap. Yeah. <laughs> the only two yeah. things that I just never... And that, well, I never felt like either one was for me, so I feel weird just like making myself listen to it. Yeah, p- punk more for me again because I'm uh, a little older than you. With more kind of an influential aspect, I like a tiny bit of it, but mostly it's it spawned right. other stuff like new wave that I really like. And uh, you yeah, know, like the kind of that listen to punk and then learn how to play their instruments. Right, right, yeah, like... yeah. And even Human League said that when they started. The reason they started was, even though it was all synths, it was because of punk, because you couldn't go up on stage with a keyboard unless you were, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, Keith Emerson, you know, and play the keyboard or, you know, and one of the, but it, after punk, you could, and as Phil Oki says, maybe your honesty would get you through it, and, you know, and that worked out for a lot of folks. Oh, I didn't know, that's funny, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, the, so that's definitely like, um, I mean, all that stuff too. I just want to put that out there. I'm oh yeah. You, but I still, I, I, I maintain that Appetite for Destruction is an amazing, amazing album. Yeah. Well, and here's another weird thing though, is that, uh, I'm excited. One of the concerts I'm going to see this summer, Hall of Notes. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, of course. And people don't think it's that's amazing. An, yeah, but that's the thing. Like you were talking about your, you know, listening to Top 40 Radio uh, when your sister was listening to it. Maybe my brother, who's five years older than me, we were heavily in the Top 40 Radio in the 70s. Well, back when it was on AM. This is how old I am. Uh, you know, 73, right, 74, yeah. 75. And Hollow Notes was right in there. And when I became a new wave daddy, I was telling Pat Francis this the other day. I didn't abandon the people I liked before. I still liked Hollow Notes and Queen and the Kinks and all those people. But the stuff yeah. I didn't like, Led Zeppelin and uh, other people like that, I, I didn't get an appreciation for after that, and I still don't like them. So it's just, it's weird how that works. Yeah, I know, and it's strange. But all of this is, is, uh, is great. And it's, it's weird how much music they made. You don't think about that. Oh, yeah. But, you know, to have like 13 number one hits, you had to have made about, yeah, yeah. about 200 songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think they uh, were one of the few bands that were like not you know new wave at all, but they very much moved with the times. Hated doing videos, but did them anyway. And I think to their credit, that kind of you know at least helped keep their foot in the door and help them stay successful. Where a lot of bands kind of died, yeah. like Air Supply and Ambrosia and people like that, because they weren't willing yeah. to do that. So. Yeah, they, I mean, you got to take a. a a page from uh, the Bowie Notebook, which is yes. you don't have to be Bowie, but, yes. but he, he moved with he moved with music, you know. Yes, yes. At the same time, I mean, people call people call Bowie an innovator, and I'm not going to say anything bad about Bowie. Trust me, I work right, right. with Bowie. But um, they call him an innovator. But what he was really doing was he was finding what was the next cool thing done yeah. by people that were not famous yet, and then just doing it. You know. Like, he was the second guy every time. Yeah. He wasn't the first guy, but he was the second guy doing everything. That's true. Yeah. The the synth, the, yeah. the Philly soul. Uh, even when he started his career, yeah, it's the folk kind of thing you do. There are already plenty of people doing that, but, you know, he, he found his, his way to do it. Um, so with yeah. with your podcast, um, I, I guess you're good friends with Doug Benson because he let you kind of steal the logo and sort of the idea, although it's different than Doug Loves Movies. I was expecting it to be more like a quiz show. But I was excited to find out there's you have little different games that you play. The Michael Bolton game is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I didn't want to just completely copy his podcast, but I did approach Doug and say, Hey, can I just do your podcast about music? I mean that was like an official conversation we had. And um you know, he's all for it. Uh but I knew that I couldn't the art forms are too different in terms of how people feel about them and how they affect culture because yeah. 
movies, I just said this on Doug's, on uh, the most recent Doug Loves movies. I said, you know, movies, there's like eight out at a time, and most of America sees at least one of them. Yeah. You know? And so everybody's pretty conversant in almost every movie. Even if they never saw it, they know about it or they know who was in it. Music is very personal and very, like, you know, who knows what people are listening to. There's, there's, there's way more out there. Yes. So the approach I'm, the, the approach I'm taking, I can't just straight up quiz people like Doug does. Right. Um, because, because it's not a common thing for everyone to know. So instead, what I'm kind of trying to do is make games that are fun for my guests to play that aren't just, like, straight trivia. And the only way to, like, categorize or decide which music we talk about, because I'm not just going to, like, say these are the good bands, these aren't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I could do that all day, but nobody wants to listen to that. Right. Um, Instead, I'm just booking guests that I know are, um, what do you, uh, just, like, good, funny people that are smart and I respect their tastes in other ways, and just find out, personally what kind of music they like and what they listen to and we'll have fun that way instead of like me saying this is the music we're talking about i'm going to find out from my guests what they're into and then we'll talk about that kind of thing and that's that's like a, a way to hit more people i think yeah and, and it, you might be like this too and i've had this conversation with uh, pat francis before is that like as far as like rock documentaries even if i don't like the band i'll watch any rock documentary my favorite behind the music ever is sticks who i've you know had this most casual interest in, but it was one of the funniest behind the musics ever, uh, especially when Tommy <laughs> Shaw is explaining the Mr. Roboto thing, and he looks at the camera and goes, I just couldn't think of any songs about robots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's weird on that topic. I'm the same way, because it's not a documentary, but um, VH1 made a couple of rock movies back in, like, the late, I think it was the late 90s, and, um, one of them was about the four, uh, the four. Um, I'm sorry, the Temptations, oh. and that was great. Yeah, yeah, they, they had a monkeys one too. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. They also made a Def Leppard one, and I don't, I don't oh. really give a shit about Def Leppard. I think Love Bites is an amazing song, but yeah. I'm not, I'm not like a Def Leppard guy. You can't like Guns N' Roses and Def Leppard and call yourself a real person. Yeah, <laughs> but I, um, that movie they made is so cheesy but so watchable, you can't even believe it, and it's like, you know. I love it because it's all the same stuff, like egos and who wrote the song and then yeah, the yeah. fighting and then the drugs. And, the, and it turns out every band in history had a bus crash where they lost their drummer. Like <laughs> every, it's just so funny. Like, um, so I watched that stuff forever. Oh yeah, there's uh, two different yeah. Beach Boy ones that came out at the same time, and the Beach Boys are my uh, one of my two favorite bands. And they had these two that came out at the same time. One was uh, like an ABC TV movie. The other one, I don't know who produced it, but but the one was produced by Mike Love and John Stamos. So Brian Wilson comes oh off. Oh my God! What was that? So Brian Wilson comes off looking like a nut. Uh, Van Dyke Parks comes off looking like a nut, and Mike Love is the secret genius of everything. <laughs> it's so funny. There's a scene where they're in the limo, and Brian's freaking out. He's uh, he's tripping on LSD, and Mike is just calmly coming up with the riff for Good Vibrations. <laughs> it's the best thing ever. It's the best thing ever. And I've interviewed Mike Love, and, and he's a super nice guy. Surprised I interviewed him. I thought they were going to give me to one of the side members of the touring band, and here they put Mike Love on the phone. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the grief he gets is um, undeserved, and a lot of the grief he should get, no one knows about, i.e., uh, the, the horrible way he's treated some of his children from his previous marriages. And we'll just leave it at that. Uh, not a very present guy. 
And uh, on stage is always very nice. Yeah. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, my dad finally, when he, when he knew I was old enough to understand the difference between the Beach Boys he grew up was listening to as a kid and then, like, what they actually were good for, I was about 13, and um, he, put, he played Pet Sounds for me and started pointing out all the reasons why it was, like, actually amazing. And what's funny is, even back then he used to say, that's my club. He sounds good on the album, but uh, he's a piece of shit, and you don't need to worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a little overstated, so, but uh, yeah, <laughs> I can yeah, see that. He, um, I can see that. He didn't. He wasn't that harsh, but he just meant basically. Yeah, yeah. Those guys are like hired hands, and you know, don't worry about what they think. Yeah, well, I think as a, as vocalists, because a lot of people say that too. They're they're much more of a, a vocal band than a band band. But uh, I got to tell you this, my yeah. friend. I celebrate the entire catalog, and I'm not just saying that as a joke. <laughs> I, Hand to God, I I have the whole collection. So, oh, me too. No, listen, I love it all. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying that. Oh, you know, sure. There comes a point where your if your kid is serious about listening to music, where you got to tell them the difference. You know. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, I love early Beach Boys. You know, I have no problem with it. I think it's great. Yeah. Um. So, uh, getting to the comedy thing. So it was comedy straight away. You you were going to do did did but did you have an interest in that or was there something else you were going to do, uh, as a career choice and and comedy just kind of came up, or how did that happen? I never, I was always, I was new in school like nine times growing up, and I never, I, I was just always funny, that was all I ever had to like survive or be interesting or make friends, so um, my identity was wrapped up in being funny, that was all That was all I thought I had, But I, and I always watched stand-up on TV, because there was so much stand-up back then, like, because I grew up when there was like, Two Drink Minimum with Jake Johansson and Stand Up Spotlight with Bobby Collins. Oh, yeah. And the 80s, Jim Grob. And there was like, there was like nine stand-up shows on TV in the, in the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. And um, I used to watch them all. And I didn't get all the jokes, but I just really liked stand-up. And I never, it never occurred to me that stand-up existed in the real world. I just thought, I'm funny. Stand-up's on TV. That's as close as these things will ever come. Like, it never, yeah. I never put it together. And then in college, there was an ad in, a, in the school paper that the local comedy club was looking for someone to seat the room. And that was the first time I realized stand-up was in the world and I could go look at it. And uh, it was like a lightning bolt moment. I'll never forget it. And I just ran down there and bullied my way into that job. I just said, like, you're not hiring anybody else. You're giving this job to me no matter what. I don't care what happens. I lied. This is my job. And they were like, okay. And then I just worked there. That was at the Stress Factory in New Brunswick, New Jersey, oh. and uh, which is still there and doing great. And I, I ended up being there for like six years, just like working on my act until before I went to New York. Okay, so you went to the New York scene. Yeah. And then out to L.A. L.A. Yeah, I'm in L.A. now, and um, you know it's good to do it in that order. You want to you want to develop in New York if you can. Yeah. And that's, uh, of course, a lot of people go out to L.A. because they have in other designs, and, uh, you know, yeah. they, they like stand-up comedy is fine, but there's a lot more opportunity to do Of course, now, but I know a lot of guys in New York that are doing other stuff. I just talked to Pete Lee yesterday, and he's mixed up on all kinds of stuff, uh, TV gigs there, Nickelodeon, NFL Live, all kinds of all kinds of stuff. So I guess there's, you know, stuff happening there as well uh, off stage. Oh, sure, yeah. Um, but it's just like... You know, you can't argue that the industry is not majorly out in oh, yeah, LA. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it'd be great to try to you know piece together a career in New York, and I did it for a while. But it, I, you know, it's it, there's just so much more out here, and I love Pete. 
actually. I think Pete's awesome. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been out here for five years. It would make no sense to go back unless I got oh, something yeah. major that's back there. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Ult- with your love of music and comedy, what ultimately would you like to do? Uh, you know, perhaps you know, build a podcast into a, a, a TV program of some sort? Or uh, what would be the ultimate gig? Well, I'm always, I've, I've been developing shows for the past three years, and, and I've gotten to the point you know, where I've sold the idea or the script to, to a network, and then it just doesn't get to, get to air, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's basically what, what I'm trying to do. But if I could have, like, my dream tomorrow, it would be that, you know, something like this podcast that's, like, what I really want to talk about and what I really want to do just becomes incredibly popular and people want to come to it. And um, I would love to just do this. I would love to just, just do this podcast for the rest of my life all over the country. I think that would be, like, okay. the funnest thing to do with, like, sold-out shows and, you know, all that kind of stuff and do all the music festivals. I think that would be my favorite kind of life. So do you do live shows on the road when, like Doug does when he comes to a town? Or sometimes Doug just shows up and does Douglas movies here in Cincinnati. He doesn't even do a, a gig, a proper gig. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not there yet. I can't I can't do Julian's music at the clubs yet. But okay. as soon as I can prove that people will come to it, then, um, yeah, I think I'll, I'll want to do every Thursday will be Julian Loves Music, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday will be stand-up. Hmm. Well, I bet you could pull that off here because enough people, you know, know Doug and, uh, you know, here in Cincinnati, and there's a lot of, you know, comedians here that are based here that do uh, love music, as well as journalists, ha, me. Uh, so that'd be, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, that's, uh, I don't know, let me think about that. I mean, <laughs> I forget actually when I'm coming there. How long, how much time do I have? It's <laughs> <laughs> in mid-April, right? Uh, yes, it's uh, middle of April, so... Um. Yeah. But you're you're in you're I, in Cincinnati. In Cincinnati, yeah. But the the print piece will be for City Pages in Minneapolis. Uh, and then. Oh, okay, that's what. But um, um, oh, Cincinnati. Yeah, I was in Cincinnati recently. I'm actually, I don't know if I'm going to be there anytime soon in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. But Minneapolis is a good market too for this because yeah, there's true. a lot of, for lack of a better word, hipsters there. So yes, yeah, yeah. And a lot of the guys up there are yeah. uh, are really into music as well. So. Um, yeah. well, well, this has been a fun conversation. I'm glad I captured this for the podcast because, uh, like I said, I'm a big music nut too, as well as a comedy nut. So, uh, uh, this is yeah. great. Well, well, that's great. And, um, hopefully we'll see you back here in Cincinnati soon. Maybe you can get on the, come down for Brouhaha, the big comedy festival. Oh, that would be great. When is that? That's in August. Uh, same guy August, that books, okay. yeah, same, guy that, same guy that books bananas books that, so contact him. Okay. Cool. Great. All right, Julian, we're good talking thanks. to you. Thanks so much, sir. All right, thanks. Bye. Thanks again to Julian McCullough for being on the show. You can catch Julian well. I'm not sure where. It's one of those deals. The calendar section of his website has not been updated. The newest date on there is January Sketchfest in San Francisco. And I know he's done Minneapolis, I believe the House of Comedy or Acme. I'm not sure which one now. But he's been to Minneapolis since then. Yeah, he just needs to get that sorted. Uh, but go to julianmccullough.com and look for his tour dates there. You can get Julian Loves Music, his podcast, in iTunes, I believe, and anywhere else you get podcasts. So do check that out. As a, Again, as I said in the interview, friend of the show, friend of this show, April Richardson, was on one of the most recent episodes. That was a lot of fun. And uh, they have a good time on that program. Special announcement, next week we are going to have a special episode. I don't want to say too much, but I think you're really going to enjoy it. Uh, Fangirl will be here. She is very, very busy, so I need to get an hour of her time tomorrow. 
hopefully, it is a Sunday, and hopefully she has some time open in her busy schedule to get this episode recorded, and I think you folks will enjoy it. Uh, meanwhile, we are at the Song of the Week from Annie Hawk and the Trainwreck Endings. This came out two weeks ago, and it was recorded at the Sun Studios right there in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, he's from Baltimore, actually. He lives there now. and uh, Or the greater Baltimore, Washington area. I can't remember which one it is now, which one he's in and which one my other buddy is in. But anyway, um, so the song is called Once or Twice. It was recorded at the Sun Studios. It is their current single. It is available on iTunes and everywhere. It is our song of the week on PS Tape Recorder. Uh, we're going to play the whole thing because we have Andy's permission. We're not going to play just 90 seconds of it. So you get to hear the whole song. Andy Hawk and Trainwreck Endings, Once or Twice, PF Tape Recorder. So long and thanks for listening. Floating 
All right. Awesome. Here, back.